Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you got through the weekend. Ah, oh, the weather. It's been so nice. Now, I'm not here in California. <laughs> People roll their eyes and they laugh whenever I say to them, I hate the heat. I hate the sun. I've talked about it on the show before. I definitely am negatively impacted by that. My seasonal effective is kind of in reverse. Most people, it's the cold, the rain, the darker, colder weather that starts to bring a depression anxiety for me. It's quite the opposite. Uh, like a lot of people that have reached out and I've talked about this. For some, the summer heat does that. And like myself, when it gets colder, darker, darker and cooler, I, I settle down. It kind of soothes my psyche and my nervous system. Uh, you know, it's both biological and psychological. So it's a psychobiosomatic. But more importantly, ah, this cool weather. I thought it was coming and it was getting hot. So I know everyone's like, why are you in California if you hate the heat? And I'm like, because I love it here. Um, but cooler weather, Halloween is coming. I don't know if you all been keeping up with the news. Um, I, 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 I've been better about it these days. I'm taking breaks from a lot of things. That's one of them. Although, you know, paying attention to what's going on in the world around us as much as I can. Halloween, so far from what I heard in this, <laughs> of course, this can change. And this isn't because people are giving us misinformation or lying to us. It's because with science and what's going on with COVID, we're constantly updating based on updates. It's an ever-changing, shifting thing, and will continue to. So I heard Fauci saying, we think, we think, might change, that we're going to be able to do our Halloween a little more like we're used to, maybe not 100% in the same way. So that's pretty cool. I'm still going to be very cautious. You're not going to see me at parties. But um, I might walk the streets a little bit distant from everyone. I'm still not feeling comfortable around others or in closed spaces. But again, it's because I have a wonky immune system, and also I don't want to get sick or pass it on to anyone. But all that to say, I hope you are enjoying the changing of the seasons. This is when I deeply miss the West, uh, the East Coast. I'm sorry. I'm a Philly boy, Philly, New York. That's where I lived all my life. And I love the changing of the weather because there's an actual fall, an actual autumn. We don't have that in California. It's blistering hot and then it's cool for a while and then hot again. There's really no shift or change. And for those that live on the East Coast and know this, the beautiful, cool weather, snow at some point. I know y'all hate that, but from afar, it's nice. But the changing of the leaves and the leaves falling, it's like the colors. I think it's the colors I miss. On the East Coast, I'm sorry, I keep saying that. On the West Coast, the colors never change. 
on the East Coast, we go through changes of season. And you can tell looking out the window based on the colors of the leaves, the fullness of the trees, the plants. Here in California, the plants are kicking it year round. <laughs> like the foliage is it's hardy, it holds up. So I miss those beautiful recognitions of the changing of the seasons, but also just the color stories that it provides. It's, it, oh, I miss it, the hot chocolate or the hot apple cider, going pumpkin picking. Although that is something I suppose that can be done out here. It it's, tends to be very different on the West Coast. We just go to places that already have them picked <laughs> and you buy one. But uh, East Coast, we used to go to pumpkin patches. It was really beautiful, very sustainably done. And um, purchase these pumpkins and carve them. So we'll see which ways we can still do that. But know that, you know, we might be able to have Halloween a little more normal uh, as we're used to. But even if not, we still want to do something, right? There's so many different ways to participate in holidays. And I'm gonna talk a little bit more about it knowing that there's a lot more holidays coming and not every country is necessarily wide open with the borders. Not every city has low enough um, <clears throat> infection rates to maybe travel there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there are gonna be people that aren't necessarily participating in, you know, in the holidays in the traditional ways. But as I say every year, still do something. It's okay to do things differently. Different doesn't mean canceled or bad or wrong or broken, right? We, we wanna have that flexibility and that creativity. Even if we're not going home, we're getting together with people for all the holidays that are coming because it's almost like they're like bam, 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 bam in a row from, what is it? Essentially Halloween. Well, Canada already had their Thanksgiving. So from Canadian Thanksgiving, I don't know where to start, all the way to like New Year's, bam, bam, bam. So we're not gonna be able to necessarily do it all the ways we wanted before, but you can still dress up. You can still maybe with other vaccinated friends see them. You can still prepare the meals. Even if you're spending it alone, you can still dress up. You can still prepare the normal meals. You can still play the music, watch the shows. Please don't, as they say, throw the baby out with the bathwater because you can't do it in style or the way you did before. It just doesn't matter anymore. Maybe it does or it doesn't. It's okay to pass on it as well. I've been here, there and all around. So I've had all different kinds of holidays, holidays the way I wanted, holidays on my own, holidays just with friends. And each one had its strengths, each one had its weaknesses, but I tried to always participate because I knew it was gonna feel better to do something than to pretend as though it's not happening or, or existing. Although for those that choose that route, you got my support. They're just holidays. They are socially created moments to honor and celebrate events and, and, and share space with others and, and culture and food and family. But that's not the case for everyone, and that's okay as well. So I ramble. Uh, nonetheless, when we come back, we're going to talk about how to deal with difficult emotions. But the DMs, you know how that works. DMs are always open. So if you've got a question for us or a topic you want us to cover, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And uh, we are channelq.com. That's where you want to go to check out past episodes. So stick around. We're going to talk about difficult emotions, something we all got to work on. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back, y'all. Stick around. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, y'all. We are back talking about difficult emotions. So broad, broad, then we'll cut it down, narrow it down, zero one on in. Talk about solutions, tools, and tips and tricks. But emotions, <clears throat> they're how we communicate. I think culturally, and in a lot of our families, we all want to be rational, logical. There's a place for that. We don't ever want to be just one without the other. Emotions require some logic, and logic requires emotionality. We love all, rog- uh, all logic and rationality. I'm trying to make up words there. But emotions are the most honest part of us. Emotions are psycho-bio. Emotions are both our psychology and our biology in action. There's no emotion that doesn't also have a physical representation. All emotions are felt in our bodies. Think about it. Think about anger for for a second. You, your body shifts and changes. Your face tightens, it crunches, your eyes widen, your, your fists clench. That's blood rushing to those protective muscles. We're getting ready. When we get into a strong emotion, though, without logic, what happens? Well, we harm self and others because we haven't thought through consequences. We haven't really recognized or registered that we have options. So that's why we do need the rational there. But most of us are very disconnected from our emotional functioning, our emotional center, letting our emotions communicate a need. Our emotions are what tell us, are where, are, are where we're told what we need. And so we don't want to be afraid of them because mental health is the ability to feel a full range of emotions, all of them, and to feel them deeply. We talk about that often, how there are no negative emotions, although we've decided a group of them are negative or bad. And some people do believe that mental health or even spirituality is about never feeling those. You know, being spiritual or mentally healthy is you're always happy. You're always doing well. That's not real or honest, and I don't believe that. And that isn't mental health. Mental health is I can feel all my feelings. I can feel them deeply. I'm not ruled by them. I'm not overwhelmed by them. I'm generally not afraid of them. I can fluidly and flexibly move in and out. I bring rationality to them and I say, how rational is this feeling or emotion? Is it a three or a four or is it a nine or a 10? And we keep ourselves in check a little bit. Emotions are how we connect to others. So we don't wanna suppress them. We don't wanna ignore them and we don't wanna avoid them. That is not good for both our long-term health. It's also not good for our relationships because healthy relationships are very emotionally connected and operate on the emotional level. And we are aware of those emotional expressions. Healthy partnership, let's talk romantically for those that are in 
any kind of romantic dynamic. But again, this applies to parent and child, friend and friend. <clears throat> what makes us feel safe and connected to that, peer, that person? When we first start to develop that, what really builds trust is when we share emotion. If we compared relationships where we could be very emotionally emotionally vulnerable and honest versus relationships where maybe it's a little logical, it's, it's, we stay in our heads, we keep it a little news, weather, and business, which ones do you feel safest in? Which ones do you trust more? Which person do you feel closer to? Sure, the person who sits in, I don't know, the seat on the bus next to you on the way to work or at the cubicle next to yours, you talk about your weekends casually, you talk about what TV shows you're watching, you enjoy them. But I don't believe you really feel like you know them. I don't know that you feel quote unquote safe with them. And that's because of the lack of a lot of deep, vulnerable, emotional sharing. For most individuals, that relationship that we're referencing or thinking about, it's really, it really takes off. It really feels real. We really count them as close the first time we start sharing emotionality. And when we start to share, they know that they can share. Or when they take that risk and share, we know that we can share. That's what it's built on, those deep, intimate moments. Because remember, intimacy is when we share things that make us a little anxious because it's vulnerable. It's okay to have relationships where everything's very safe. Oh, I watched the new horror movie, blah, blah, blah. How was it? It's very safe. But when we're a little anxious and we say, oh, you know, I didn't really have a great weekend. My relationship's in a little bit of trouble. That little bit of anxiety, that vulnerability, that's how we know we're really building intimacy. And if you're never feeling that or living from that or expressing from that, you're, you're probably living in a lot of very topical, superficial relationships. Not to keep using this example, because I think there's a beautiful version of it, but we've been out to eat, and I see this all the time, and I love this example, and you see the couple that's sitting quietly. I bring this up probably once a week on the show, probably all the time in clinical practice as well. Now, there's the version of it that feels good and secure, and we can look over and be like, oh, I feel okay with what I'm seeing. They look just confident and comfortable. There just isn't anything needing to maybe be said in the moment. But we've also seen the couples where we feel very anxious because they're not looking at each other, they're just eating their food with their head down. When they're done eating, they're kind of looking around and it feels very, it feels very scary. It feels very anxiety inducing. Um, it, it feels like something's wrong and that's because no one's really building intimacy anymore. They've said what they've needed to say, they've shared all the topical things and now their relationships requiring someone to go deeper and to share dreams, hopes, fears, feelings and they don't and they can't or they won't. And that stalls out. So really assess that. You know, are you sharing those more vulnerable, deeper emotional parts of yourself with the people that have earned that right or that trust and that you want to be deeper with? Because that's how we do that. That's when that begins. I also work with a lot of clients that share with me in a very beautiful way, the tears coming down their eyes or their voices shaking a little bit. The story of the first time that maybe a parent who traditionally, usually it's the father, who's been raised to believe his only job is to you know raise money for the family and is never given the chance to be a caretaker or to participate. And that's both the capitalistic corporate system that does that, but also gender roles. And that father, for this example, finally tells the child they love them or hugs them or starts to express fear um, or work stress or financial stress. And it's like, oh my God, I finally got to know my dad or they finally, he finally built a relationship with me. And it's always that those statements and that feeling is born out of the experience of sharing something very vulnerably. It's so beautiful. We want to make sure we're doing that, especially with people that are important to us. 
Uh, we'll take a little break. We'll come back and keep talking about difficult emotions. They are the, the spice of life. They are the root of relationality. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back, y'all, so stick around. All right, we're back and we're talking about difficult emotions and using essentially mindfulness, which is another way of just saying awareness to handle unpleasant feelings because we live in a culture where we're afraid of them. Look, I'm not saying things like etiquette and politeness aren't important or good. (laughs) They are when they're rooted in kindness and compassion. They aren't when they're part of us feeling as though we're not allowed to ever frustrate or disappoint or say no or be honest in very compassionate, relational, reasonable moments. And sometimes etiquette and politeness is like, well, just keep a smile on your face. It's toxic positivity. Just perform happiness, pretend you're happy. Don't share with yourself or others what's really going on. Let's just operate on the superficial level. No one's vulnerable, no one's real, and it's just glitter and sunshine. It's like, what are we doing at that point then? Why? We have to shift that, that idea that some emotions are bad or wrong. We're all gonna feel depressed. We're all gonna feel anxious. We're all gonna feel angry. We're all gonna feel scared. We're all gonna feel lonely. And it's very hard for us to, to vocalize those things, which then help us get our needs met and help others help us if we don't make those things familiar and normal to express or to hear. That's why back in early COVID, I was saying a lot on the show, don't just say to people, how are you? Say to people, how's your mental health? Because those are two very different questions. Now they sound the same in theory, but the difference is that how you doing has become very common. It's polite. It's not honest. People say that because they need to say a greeting. They don't actually mean, I care about you. I want to hold space right now to really go deep with you and understand who you are and to connect. And so when you say to someone, how's your mental health? That shakes them because it's a different question and it's very targeted. And when you say to someone, how you doing? They can say something very cute or closed-ended or short, like, great, loving this weather. But if you say to someone, how's your mental health? They're not gonna say, great, loving the cold, because that's a very odd answer and it doesn't speak to the question. So the question's very specific, it's very targeted, and it really directs them to something soft and vulnerable, like, how's your mental health? And people stop for a second, they'll usually go, I've been a little depressed or I'm very stressed. And then all of a sudden, bam, we're off and running. We're connecting. I feel like they're revealing themselves. It tells me it's safe for me to reveal myself. It makes me soften. And I know we're having a real relationship. This is like a real person versus the people like, everything's cool, doing good, eager for the, eager for the winter. And then you're like, okay, so we're going to just keep it cute, keep it topical, keep it superficial. This isn't real. Got it. We don't want to have a lot of that or a lot of those people in our lives <laughs> because it'll feel very depressive. It'll feel very, that, that's where anxiety comes in. Because remember, we're relational beings and we are co-regulated by those around us. That's an important asset. We want to have what we call barred functioning. I was raised clinically to think that that was a bad thing. I now know better through better research that we do use each other as regulators. And the most powerful way to regulate ourselves is to turn to another, someone we trust, to share with them to sit with them and, and depending on our relationship them to maybe hold them, have them hold us. We do that as children, we need that as adults, but we shut all that down when we shame the expression of emotion. We're not known and we can't get our needs met. So we wanna get familiar expressing these things like, hey, I'm feeling really lonely. I had a really beautiful thing happen over the weekend actually, where um, a friend of mine, who's a very good friend of mine, and, and, and doesn't generally 
have a lot of anxiety around really expressing what they need, but just very beautifully said to me, essentially, come over, I'm lonely. And my answer was immediately, yes. Had they said something like, what are you doing? I was in the middle of doing something. And had they not actually expressed emotion, like I'm lonely, come over, I might have thought that they just wanted to kill some time. And I probably would have said, I'm very busy because I was in the middle of doing something. I was cleaning. Um, but in them actually being vulnerable and saying, I'm lonely, and that, that again, emotion expressing a need, I'm lonely, I need to be around others, in them telling me that, I was able to understand them empathize with them and go provide that by saying, I will come spend time with you. And that's what one should do. Not reach for the video games, not reach for drugs or alcohol, reach for people. And that's why, again, we talk about sobriety not being abstinence. Sobriety is connection because addiction isn't a disease. Addiction is an attachment issue. Addiction is these individuals being trained from early life and throughout adulthood that they can't turn to others. Others aren't available because of trauma, because they're not safe, because of the world that they built or the world they're a part of. And so they turn to all regulation, which is drugs, alcohol, food, games, whatever it is. No one lost in addiction has healthy, functional, vulnerable relationships, but that's part of sobriety. And that is the goal of sobriety. And that's what speaks to someone having long-term sobriety. But going back to just common use, if we aren't in touch with our emotions, if we don't feel safe expressing our emotions, then we don't actually get them resolved. My friend, maybe if they didn't, if he didn't feel safe saying to me, I'm lonely, come over, which is very vulnerable, especially for a man in our sex, you know, in our, you know, toxically masculine world, world to be that vulnerable and to make those requests. But had he not said that, instead, had he just, I don't know, played video games, gone and eaten something or whatever else, that need would have remained. And so not only would that need not have gotten met, that person would have missed out on healing and connection and relationship and left feeling better after we spent time together and then was able to go back and do what they need to do, which is what we talk about with healthy relationships with child and parent and also to adults romantically, which is we need our partner or our, or our parent to be a secure base for us to go off into the world. We're going to take a little break, slide into those DMs, and then we'll come back and finish this. So stick around. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back, and guess what? Now it is time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Questions, drop them in there. Uh, this one's a good one here. It says, hey, Dr. Chris, how much do you compromise when you are first dating someone? For example, just met this new person who is great when we hang out, but they're not great at checking in otherwise. Minimal text messages, which is fine, but I'm kind of the opposite where I love short texting conversations throughout the day. I always say good morning and good night. They don't. What's the best way to navigate this with someone and their different dating styles? Well, this really does fall under uh, compatibility. I am like you. I like a lot of closeness. I like a lot of engagement. And I only, when I was, you know, I'm in a relationship, but when I was single, I was, I would only date people that also wanted that. Why was I going to move into a relationship with someone who doesn't want the same level of closeness as I want? That's, that's, that's actually setting yourself up for a lot of misery. Now, the caveat is, of course, I don't know what's going on in this other person's life. I don't know what they think you want or need. So um, you have to express that. Hey, I uh, would love to hear from you a little more often. Is that possible? Check in on it. But I think people should text as often as they feel compelled to and see if that person meets them where they're at. Uh, very possibly this person might be you know, present when you're present, but avoidant otherwise, because maybe they don't want a lot of closeness and intimacy. Maybe they don't want something serious with you, or maybe they're very busy. But 
a lot of those actually say we're not in the same place at the same time. People that want a lot of closeness aren't going to deal well with a lot of people that want space and avoidance. You might be setting yourself up for the worst style of relationship where someone who's anxious is with someone who's avoidant. And that's not to say that you wanting a lot of closeness and intimacy and connection is anxious. It could be you coming from a very secure place. Everyone is secure, anxious, or avoidant. Those are mainly the three buckets. And ideally, you want secure to date secure. Uh, how do we define secure? Secure dating styles are someone who is consistent, reliable, responsive, and present. And if that's what you want, those are the key factors of a secure relationship. Find someone who also wants that. If you're with someone who's avoidant, meaning they like a lot of space, they like a lot of distance, let them date someone who's also avoidant. That will be compatible for them. And so not a great sign of compatibility from the front end. And you're dating, date other people, find someone who maybe wants the same level of presence you want. Keep dating them, see if that ebbs and flows. I would bring it up as a topic, see how they respond to it. Because again, how people respond to differences and issues also tells us whether or not they're a great partner. So you shouldn't live and die on, they don't text as much as I do, but at the same time you should, because again, that speaks to their level of seriousness, their level of interest, and how much closeness and intimacy they can tolerate. Again, the key terms are consistent, reliable, available, and responsive. That's what we all seek. That is the cornerstone of a secure relationship. Try to find someone who wants that in the same way you do. Again, I've dated people that wanted more space, more distance. It made me miserable, made me anxious. I didn't feel wanted. And I don't need to be with someone like that. So I, I built built a relationship with someone who wanted the same things I wanted. And now we're in a really beautiful, secure relationship. Um, I don't think it should take that much work. And dating is about exploring relationality with a lot of different people to see who you are most compatible with to then build a primary relationship with them. And trying to build a prime, secure relationship requires two secure people, ideally. And so you're, you're learning a lot about this person. Um, if they have a lot going on in their life, they might not be again available because of factors in their life to give you what you're looking for. Dating is about fun. I know when I was out there dating, I wanted someone who's available, who's around, who can text me cute messages, who's there when I send them something. Otherwise, what's the point? We don't have to be together. Let that person who's not that available for other reasons, go find someone who also isn't and they'll both be happy. But you're wanting someone who's present and available. Go find that. There's tons of people that'll offer that. There's no reason to hang in there through otherwise. And longer term, when you step into something more committed, it'll make you even more miserable then because they, you know, they drag their feet. Uh, they're constantly on their phone. Uh, they're not that responsive at dinner. I mean, whatever it is. So I'm glad they can show up when you're with them. But what happens between those times matters more. And there shouldn't be any reason to struggle. Go find someone who wants the same things you want. You know, it'll prevent you from bigger issues down the road. Uh, DMs, you got a question? Drop in the DMs on our Level Energy page. Past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the show, and click on it. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about emotions and difficult emotions. So uh, stick around to hear more about that. And then, of course, we'll be closing out with some more DMs. Always good stuff. All right, y'all, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, y'all. So stick around. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about difficult emotions. And before the break where we did some DMs, I was just telling you a story about how it's very hard in our culture. We didn't, we haven't really normalized the softness or the sharing of what we deem to be negative emotions. No such thing. There are no bad or negative emotions. All emotions are communications and energies in our body and our psyche, and they all need expression. And we've just decided some are good or some are bad. And they're all just emotions. 
and we need to feel all of them. And I was sharing a story about a friend vulnerably saying, I'm lonely, can I see you? I'm lonely, come over, I'm lonely, I need to spend time with someone. And how their willingness to be vulnerable and express that emotion, a communication, help them understand what the solution was. If I'm lonely, it means I, I wanna to try to be around others. They were then able to reach out and get that need met. I, hearing a direct, clear request, I'm lonely, come over, was able to provide that. But often we have shame around asking. And so we do it in indirect ways, passive ways, and then we feel let down or it reinforces the idea that there isn't anyone there for me and I am in, you know, I am in it on my own. Because sometimes people don't ask directly and clearly. I'm feeling scared. I need to talk something out with you. I'm feeling lonely. Can we spend time together? But if we're passive and just say, what are you doing? Come over. And the person doesn't hear any actual emotional communication. They might say, like, I almost did. I'm really busy. I can't today. And then they're like, fine. So then their feelings are hurt and they're realizing they're alone more than they thought. And they turn to these like auto-regulatory things versus reaching out and it, all the wheels fall off because that person just really struggled to honestly say, this is what I need. Can you provide this? And that's what we need to be doing. But we can only do that if we practice. So we want to practice honoring our emotions, feeling what we feel and expressing it. Hey, I'm feeling really scared right now. Or that, wow, what you just said made me anxious. And that's the basis of most adult issues is with couples. All couples I work with, a lot of their issues are that people aren't living from, speaking from, feeling from what we call primary emotions. And those primary emotions are generally very soft. Fear, loneliness, anxiety, sadness. And those are what we need to be able to bring up to our partner. But instead, we feel shame around those and we go to what we call secondary emotions, where we just get mad. Usually that's the anger we go to. We go, or the emotion we go to, just anger and frustration. We don't honestly ask for what we need vulnerably. We don't honestly speak from what we're feeling vulnerably. And instead, we go to that anger piece and then we can't even get our needs met. So for instance, if I'm with my best friend and he says something that hurts my feelings, and instead of going, ouch, oh man, that was really hard to hear. I can't believe you said that. Like, I'm really sad. If I say that, what do you think his response is going to be? His response is be like, oh my God, I'm really sorry. Because again, this isn't a healthy relationship. Unhealthy relationships, they happen differently. We shouldn't be in them. Please get out. But in a healthy relationship, a healthy person would go, oh my God, thank you for telling me I hurt your feelings. I'm really sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. Or, or they might say something like, this is what I actually meant to say. And yes, people do do that. Everyone in my life does that. I only have healthy friends. Believe it or not, I've done that work. You can too. Finding higher functioning people. I'm in a relationship with a higher functioning person. I have a very beautifully secure, loving relationship. We don't name call. We don't bully. We don't attack. We express ourselves. It's possible. Find it. Point being, in that example, had I not said, ow, wow, that, that really hurt me. That, that made me sad. I can't believe you just said that to me. Had I just gone to anger, which is where most people go, and they're like, excuse me, what did you just say? I jumped over the initial emotion, which was there, which was like, ooh, that stunk. That hurt. That stung. I go to anger. What do you think they do? They meet me in the anger and they're like, I'm sorry, what? And then we get into a fight. No honest expression. So they didn't honestly know what I need or what happened and they can't honestly respond. You have to go to the first emotion, which is sad, vulnerable, lonely, scared, anxious, frustrated, disappointed, let down. Because we have no problem expressing the happy, excited, joyful. Well, we, we got that down pat. We have to learn how to do that. But the only way we can do that is when we start to normalize that. So practice that. Most of adult fights are around the lack of honest expression of primary emotions. 
and they go right to anchor with everything. Everything goes is a battle. If someone let you down, if someone disappointed you, if someone hurt your feelings, anger is not the honest response. That might be a secondary one you go to. The honest response at first is you are disappointed. If someone disappoints you, your response is disappointment. If someone lets you down, your response should be let down. If someone hurts you, your response should be sadness. These are all soft primary emotions. We shouldn't be going in with anger. That's a secondary cover-up. We don't feel safe saying to this person that you hurt my feelings or you let me down. That's what we need to be doing. But we haven't normalized that. People will look at you strange sometimes like, oh, wow, we're going to get real, huh? And it's like, yeah, yeah, we are. I'm even trying to do that in business scenarios. I don't believe anything's business. Humans first always. And I don't care who it is. If a human being has let me down, hurt me, frustrated me, disappointed me, I work really hard to say that. Whether I'm in a business meeting, I'm lecturing in front of a couple hundred people, it doesn't matter. Humanity first, and that's important for my own mental and physical health, to humanize. There's no such thing as business only. That's a cover-up to say we're going to act sociopathically. We're going to put profits before people. We're going to dehumanize everyone. We don't want to, that, that's part of that problem. Practice this in your daily one-on-one lives though. Don't let yourself off the hook. Make sure you're the friend or the family member or whoever that, that lives from those honest, vulnerable emotions and normalizes that. Couples get into so many big fights because no one's really coming to the first initial honest emotional experience. All right, we gotta take a little break and we'll come back. We'll keep talking about this, y'all. So stick around. Emotionality, good stuff. You listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we're back and we're talking about difficult emotions, emotional honesty, trying to build better relationships, all the same stuff. And we're talking about how we don't often live from or feel from our primary emotions, which are honest and vulnerable, and they're safe and they keep us connected and they warrant empathy in the other. We usually jump right over that, go right to anger, and it usually is the secondary emotion that we choose. And if your responses are always from a place of anger, you're not being honest. You're disconnected from yourself. You're not being honest with yourself or this other person. Go to those vulnerable emotions. If, if someone did something that let you down, act and feel let down. Not angry. If someone disappoints you, you should be acting and feeling disappointed. Not angry. If someone makes you feel sad or left out or othered, you should feel sad and left out. Not angry. <laughs> Anger happens when we haven't set a boundary, so we're angry with ourselves because we should have said no or we should have told them what we needed. Anger happens when someone maybe harms us. Anger is a galvanizing emotion that says that action needs to be taken. It's very defensive. But if someone frustrates you, disappoints you, makes you feel lonely, makes you feel sad, there's no defensiveness in that. You weren't harmed. You were hurt, but you weren't harmed. You have hurt feelings. Live and express hurt feelings. Those are soft because they're rooted in hurt. We're not going to anger, which then creates defensiveness in the other person. We're expressing our softness. Stay soft. Stay soft. Safe, healthy people will respond softly to your softness. That is one of those beautiful ways to change an entire relationship is when you start doing that. Cause now your defensive angry partner isn't gonna be resp- responding angrily or defensively because you can't when someone comes to you from a place of true softness. Not passive aggressive, not covert, but truly being soft like, wow, you know, hearing you just say that about me really hurt my feelings. 
soft and then they'll come over and they'll caretake that. And that's actually what it is you're, you're truly needing. But we have to honestly express how we're feeling. We have to normalize that. This is foreign to a lot of us in our culture. But a way to start to do that, there's so many different entry points to start to do this work. The first one is to just stay quiet until you've been able to figure out what the true emotion is. If you're not ready for that step, just start watching other people and listening to other people in movies, at the you know restaurant table next to you, and you'll start to notice what should have been a soft emotion because someone was let down or made sad or disappointed or felt alone, they go right to anger and you'll start to be able to call it out in others. That's a good step towards behavior changes, at least starting to identify it and sell for others. And also retroactively looking back whenever you got into a fight and saying to yourself, let me look back at that fight and learn from it. Was I being honest with what I was feeling? What would have been me being more honest? And can I now circle back and, and bring that back up? Hey, I'm glad we got through that fight. I wanted to come back to it because I wasn't being honest with you. What I was actually feeling was sad. And I wish I just said that you made me sad. Or I wish I just said, wow, that disappointed me. And sad in my honesty, my softness. That's the first step. Another way to do this work is to check in with your body. Where am I feeling it in my body? We're so disconnected from our bodies. We're trying to go to yoga class where they're telling us the right way to do something and adjusting our bodies. We're being told we have to sit in a chair in school for how many hours without moving. We can't, you know, like we're always, we're always trying to perform correctness with our bodies. And it's really pulling, even with eating, we're trying to be on an eating plan or a diet, again, ignoring our body signals and what our bodies need. We're trying to force erections and penetration and pop pills when our body's like, nope, not in the mood or not down or not feeling safe or not feeling comfortable. We're always trying to override our body. We're very body negative in more ways than we realize. Body negativity is not just about loving your body at its shape or size. It's also about honoring and listening to your body. If you're not erect, your body isn't interested, comfortable or willing or wanting to have sex, don't override it. If you're not lubricating enough, Again, what's going on that you're not turned on or feeling relaxed enough? Um, if you need to move, move. If you need to stand up, no matter how strange or awkward it is, please stand up. Please go for a walk. If you need to go to the bathroom, use the bathroom. We have to learn how to listen to our bodies. They are a powerful part of communication, but especially emotional communication. Every emotion has a feeling tied to it in our body. And if we can listen to our body, where do I feel this? we can start to get a better truth of what we're feeling because certain feelings reside in certain places in our body. You can be like, oh, I feel that. That's in my stomach. Oh, I'm scared. I'm not mad, so I'm not gonna get angry, make this other person defensive. I'm scared. I'm gonna say to them, wow, I'm really scared right now or wow, what you said just really scared me. Start connecting to your body. That's work we need to do anyway. Eat when you're hungry. Stop eating when you're full period. I don't care. Don't count calories. Don't be on an eating plan. Intuitive eating. That is, that's health. Otherwise you're doing something else. You're just trying to look a certain way, but listen to your body. Eat when you're hungry. Stop when you're full. If your body says I need to stand up, find a way to stand up. If your body says I need to move and go for a walk, find a way to go for a walk. If your body say, we have to start listening to ourselves, but we're always shutting it down and we're shutting it down. It's also comes up with emotions. So start by trying to figure out where in your body you feel from. It helps center it. It helps us identify it. Look, this might seem very elementary or remedial. For some people, it's important for them to literally Google feelings chart and to look at all the possible feelings. There are so many. 
And it, and it, when we see these words, it helps us really understand the specificity of what's happening for us. And again, the reason why it's important is because that's how we build relationality with self and other. It's also how we actually get the true need met. Emotions are the expression of a need. We can't get them tr- that need truly met if we don't really identify what we're feeling. If we're always going to anger, then nothing's ever getting attended to. And after we you know, lost our, blew our lid and got into a fight, we walk away worse off, still having not gotten that need met, but now we also have repair to do on this relationship. I mean, that thread runs through everything. Um, all right, we're gonna take a little break. We're gonna finish this up and then uh, we'll close out with some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Love Atlanta G page or uh, you can check out past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Stick around, y'all. We'll be right back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, we're just driving home the importance of emotions. But more importantly, just not ruining relationship to self and others and burning things down by always going right to anger, but instead trying to go to the true primary emotion, which is always very vulnerable and soft. And if we can live from that place and feel from that place and speak from that place, it improves our life. We also get our needs met because we're expressing honestly what we need. If everything's anger, well, no one knows what to do with you except stay away from you because you're angry. But if you're lonely, they can come spend time with you. If they hurt your feelings, they can apologize very softly and reconnect. But if we're always just going to anger and we're pissed and everything is at a 10, we're not safe to be around, period. Not to mention our need won't actually get met. We're not even safe for them to listen to. Usually our anger isn't honest. There's a lot of things that are worthy of anger. There's nothing wrong with anger when it's honest. But a lot of times we're covering up and we're really going there out of shame or we don't feel like our needs will get met or we can express them so we go to anger. So we're checking in on our bodies to really start to identify this. I haven't mentioned to some people we Google um, emotions or a feeling list to really learn what are all the different things that we can feel. Because feelings are more of the expression. Emotions are more of the initial energy and and placement in our body. So it's kind of like we turn an emotion into a feeling as we force it outward. So also, why is this emotion coming up now? Looking at the context. Sometimes we have to step outside of it and say, based on what happened, what would the true feeling be? If someone said something mean, well, that would warrant someone feeling sad, let down, disappointed, feelings hurt. Those are all, again, soft. Live and feel and express that. See what I'm saying? If, if you can look at a feelings chart or, again, look at the context, it helps you better understand what an appropriate response would be because a lot of us are on autopilot and we haven't had people really model for us all the different emotions or the safety because we have to practice this with people that will receive us and hear us and not shame us. A lot of us are raised in families where smiles only, and no one was any better off than you were. And if you had to express those emotions, a lot of parents didn't know what to do with it or they were never around to help you learn how to deal with it or they were working or they really reinforced don't feel anything by saying, oh, go to your room and play a video game, you'll be fine. Or here, go eat some cookies, you'll feel better. No one ever said, tell me what you're feeling. Let me sit in it with you, feelings are okay. So just know that the here, eat these cookies instead or let's go play a video game is the shutting down. It's saying, I'm not here for you. Others aren't here for you. It's sending people back to themselves. Um, so again, where's in our body? We're looking at the context, better understand what might be a very, you know, really reasonable response. Um, and this is where, you know, logic and rationality are important. <laughs> 
I'm not saying, you know, unbridled emotions because we don't want to be emotionally vomiting on people. We want to share thought out, processed, digested emotions. And that means pausing, pausing and checking in in our body. That's a great way to do it. Where do I feel this in my body? Can I soften into that feeling? What is the label for that feeling? And then I express it. But we're not just vomiting it out. We do want to have a filter. We do want to think about the impact. We want to digest it a little bit. Otherwise, we're harming those around us. And we're, again, we're then not safe. No one wants to feel like they have to put a bib on every time they spend time around someone because they just vomit out emotion all over the place. We want to be tracking each other, seeing how it's landing, seeing if they're with us still, seeing if they can receive it. Because it's not just about you. The other person's having their own experience. They have their own familiarity or comfort around emotions. They have their own trauma around how safe are emotions. So they're living in their experiences as you're living in yours. And as healthy adults, we want to be aware of self and other. We always, as healthy adults, are tracking how we're landing and how we're impacting whoever's with us. And that is part of emotional expression. So sometimes we do digest a little bit. We process it. I love the transparency of letting someone hear you walk through your process. So sit with this practice this. Sometimes before we're ready to step into it, we just want to identify it in others quietly in our mind. Listen for others struggling with this and, and you learn more about it. I give a lot of my patients that homework to practice these things, to identify it in self or others out in the world, not as a way to point fingers or to shame them, but as a way to just see it and to problem solve how else could I have done it. And also the, the beautiful work of looking back at past arguments and saying, what was the actual emotion I was feeling? What was the need that I actually had? Because it's all about needs. Emotions are about needs. And anger doesn't let you know what you need. If someone says, I'm angry, it's like, I don't know what you need. Again, are you scared? Are you sad? Are you lonely? Are you depressed? Are you let down? Are you disappointed? Are you in fear? Are you stressed? That helps us understand what's going on and what they need from us. And so we want to, again, that's that digesting. That's that processing a little bit, it, giving a label. When we label something, that's when we're able to go up into our head. The mere act of labeling is bringing in your executive functioning, which is where logic and rationality live. So you're doing that when you apply a label. And we're helping work it through our bodies when we're identifying where in our bodies it's located. All these things are interconnected. So it's a little bit of top down when we put a label into it, and that's important. Um, so again, identify it, practice it, look for it in others, look back at some past fights and say what you know, was really going on for us there. Uh, that's what I do in a lot of couples therapy. So, um, all right, we're gonna come back and do some DMs. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Any question you got, topic you want covered, something you want us to cover deeper, go back to, let us know. And uh, past episodes, you can binge, post, share, re-listen. That's over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the show and click on it. Stick around though, we'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Sliding into the DMs. Want to participate? Drop a question in there. Whatever you're wondering about, someone else might be too. Topics you want covered, something you want us to circle back to, let us know. Do our best. Uh, All right, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, feeling a lot of pressure to get into a relationship recently. All my best friends are either engaged or married. So you're pressuring yourself then so far because they're doing what they're doing and you're feeling the pressure because of that. But no one's necessarily maybe saying or doing anything. Nonetheless, let's get back to your question. All my best friends are engaged or married. Cool. That's what's made sense for them. And I'm still worried about trying to be stable in my job. All right, cool. Be where you are. Maybe they don't have stable jobs and they're over relying on relational stability or maybe they got both, right? I know everyone has their own path in life. That's right. But it's pretty hard to not put these feelings on every person I start dating. Are there easier ways to kind of put this future marriage life stress aside so I can actually enjoy dating? Yeah, don't buy into it. Shut it down. I'm not sure what you mean when you say that it's hard to put those feelings aside when you're dating. Do you mean the people you're meeting and dating are expressing a lot of anxiety and pressure to get married as soon as possible? Um, if so, I would just redirect that conversation. I know if I just met someone I started dating, I would not have any interest in talking about marriage because I don't know them. I don't know what our relationship is like. I need to spend months with them dating to see if they're the kind of person I want a committed relationship with. How compatible are we? How do we manage conflict? How do we deal with stress? Are we both in, are we both securely attached, meaning we like consistency, reliability, and responsiveness? It takes months to figure all that out. In the beginning, it's um, tons of lust and tons of attraction. That's not bad. That's good. Capitalize on that. Enjoy that. But it's when that fades and we move into the attachment phase, the maintenance phase, that we really see what we're made of when conflict first starts arising and we see how we manage it, how, do you de- how we deal with holidays and disappointment. So early dating is all fantasy and projection and testosterone and lust. Awesome. Enjoy that. We need that. That's what keeps us sticking around. But when you really start to have conflict and time goes by and you really see what it's like on week weekends and holidays, that's when we can see what this relationship's about and whether or not we'd want to commit to it longer term. So you need time. 
uh, I would just circumvent that relationship. If I was dating someone that kept bringing up marriage, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds great. Once I know someone and I know what we're like and what kind of relationship we have, sure. But I wouldn't feel the need to commit. Remember, dating is to see if you want a relationship. Dating isn't a commitment. Yes, it has accountability. Yes, it's responsibility. But it's not the commitment yet. And no one should be expecting marriage until they've spent time dating you for a while. And if they are, then they don't want you. They want marriage. They don't want a partner. They just want marriage. Don't fall into that trap. That's gross. They don't care who. They just want it. What is it they're running towards? Normality? Because if they don't even care about the quality of the relationship, well, then they're going about it the wrong way and they're misusing the concept of marriage. It's not something we have to achieve. It's not something to achieve to be correct or healthy or adult. It's something you do maybe if you're with someone that you've been with long enough and know well enough to decide you can make that kind of commitment. No one should be getting married well within the first year or two. You are still getting to know each other. You're still seeing if you could even theoretically make such a commitment. It takes time. The first couple of months, like I said, it's all fantasy. It's all projection. We're letting things go. We're holding back parts of ourselves. We're not even in the maintenance phase. That's when we can really see what this relationship's made of. Like I said, when conflict starts happening, see how we get through that, how we manage it. In the beginning, it's just all fun. That doesn't, that doesn't count, although it is important. Enjoy that. But it's later. So slow them down, but don't feel the need to commit. Just say, yeah, maybe. If it's a good relationship, sure. If we treat each other well, maybe, sure. It should all be maybe if, we're, if we run this right. But don't feel pressure to be on someone else's timeline. Be where you are. That's why I know a lot of people date younger. They don't want that pressure of people in certain age brackets that are panicking and their clock is ticking. They don't want to deal with all that anxiety. They want to be in reality. If I meet the right person and we put the time in to see what we can pull off, then I'm willing to commit. That's right. You can't fast track that and you shouldn't try. That's the flaw and that leads to miserable marriages. And we don't have to get married. It's something we maybe do if we're with someone who we want to go through that process with. So push back. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow. Past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. So head over there to check out past episodes, to binge, post, share, we listen, and uh, drop some questions in our DMs on our Loveline IG page. Follow us back. Otherwise, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to those around you. Let's let things go. Right size it, right? We need a little more kindness and care out in the world. Otherwise, though, as always, y'all, thanks for hanging out, and you enjoy the rest of your night. See you tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.